0: Hi, we're the Grave Girls from Grave Girls Podcast. I'm your host, Hawthorne. And I'm Amaryllis. Every week we watch a different horror film, and I find a
1: scary story that goes with it that will definitely leave you shaking in your boots.
0: And if you aren't wearing boots, my true crime case and murder... We'll scare the pants off you.
1: And then you'll just be naked. And that's just
0: that's just a fun time. So listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. And follow us on
1: Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
0: Don't forget to check out our website at grave-girls.com. We love you all in case we die. Bye. Sec, that um, the music from typo negative has been very conducive to me right now <laughs> why because it's the middle of january and the seasonal affective disorder has hit me like full force uh-huh. so just listening to like goth music is really just <laughs> it's really hit it to my soul it's hitting the spot right now it kind of is i'm like yeah everything's hopeless and gloomy yeah yeah you're right peter Steele. you're right you're right, but also sexy in like, a weird way, like I feel weird being attracted to you, <laughs> but like for personal reasons, yeah, that I am sure we will hit upon, yeah, we'll get into that, but yeah, it's like, but also what are you like 6'6"? Six, six, six? he is six eight
1: oh, what well, he was six eight, my god, there is I feel like there's probably controversy around that because I have seen so many. Articles that say he was 6'6", or that he was Mm 6'7", but I'm saying 6'8", because I have seen interviews where he specifically says he is 6'8". Yes.
0: I thought you were going to say, I'm saying that because I've seen him. He's
1: 6'8". I haven't seen him. I can clock him. I've never seen him in the flesh, and I am so pissed at myself for never going to a typo negative show. I never would have. I just missed, like, typo
0: negative, I missed it. Anyway,
1: welcome to Rock Candy. (laughs) I, you can guess who we're
0: talking, about. Who we're talking about. tonight, <laughs> yes. Well, we are your weekly podcast, giving you sweet, fun stories from the music world, per usual. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And yes, we are talking about Typo Negative today.
1: Mostly Peter Steele. Mostly because but... pe- he is a fascinating. Yeah, and uh, honestly, he pretty much is Typo Negative. Like, I get it, there's th- three other guys in the band, but... Honestly, I couldn't really even find any information on that. Is it like so. a nine
0: inch nail situation because it's like it's like it's really Pete Steele doing all the work and he gets some other guys to do I stuff?
1: Mean, no 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 no. oh okay. It's, it's the same four guys through the or for pretty much the whole time with the exception of they switched out one person mm-hmm. um but for the most part, it's been the same four guys the whole time. but Pete Steele. Was the main driving force behind it. He wrote all the songs. It was his vision, really. And the other guys were just like, nah, this is cool. Like, we're down with it. I
0: feel like, at least listening to the music, I I just, I feel like it's all Pete Steele. It really is. It It just exudes Pete (laughs) Steele. It's
1: his vision, definitely. And, you know, even when he died, they were like, yep, this was all Pete. So. Spoilers, he dies. (laughs) everybody anybody who's listening to this right now probably knows he died so that's fair sad.
0: i mean, maybe not i didn't know he was dead t- you had to tell me
1: oh well you weren't really a fan no. all that much until we I'm, yeah i mean doing honestly
0: that. it's great halloween music oh yeah and from what i've heard also really great Bonin music
1: oh yeah I don't know
0: I don't know if it's my it would go on my boning playlist, but maybe. It
1: is my boning
0: playlist. (laughs) The whole thing is the
1: whole thing.
0: That the great British bake off.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I'd bone Paul Hollywood to typo negative if he would let me. My god. (laughs) The dreams. Oh,
0: the fantasies. Speaking of the dreams and the Pete's, uh, tonight's brew for the evening is Duclaw's, because fucking love Duclaw. We love
1: Claw. and anytime time we get to use Dewclaw, we're going to fucking use it. Hell yeah. And we are drinking For Pete's Sake,
0: because I feel like we're going to say that a lot
1: this Well, evening. we are now that we have
0: this beer. For Pete's Sake! For Pete's Sake! I you know what? That is a good explanative... ex, expl- ex- Nope. <laughs> Ex, help computer, expletive expletive. Sure to like yell. I mean, without it being an expletive, it's it's an exclamation. Anyway, the point. There it is, exclamation. There it is. It is an imperial chocolate peanut butter porter, so it is delicious and perfect for the winter. And my sad dank soul. (laughs) My soul is so dank right now. And this chocolate reporter is giving me life. you got that dank soul. I do have that dank soul. <laughs> like Peter, Peter
1: Steele did. I think he had a dank soul. You'll be able to relate, I guess, to this.
0: Yeah, like I um, feel like I, I understand already where he's coming from. For the most part. Probably not. I bet, I bet there's some things. For the most
1: part. I mean, there's some questionable things, but we'll get into it. Well then, let's just fucking roll right into it, because I am Let's get into this already. shit. Yeah. So... Arguably one of, if not the biggest and Beth goth metal bands to ever exist. Typo Negative starts and ends with Peter Steele. This band would never have existed without him, and he was their spokesperson and the king of their fandom. So we're going to mainly focus on Peter. For the simple fact that I didn't really find a whole lot else about the other guys. But That's also fair. because... Peter's fascinating, like you said before. Yeah. I mean, I don't know
0: a lot about him, but just looking at him, I'm like, I want to know everything about you. Right?
1: Peter Steele was born Petrus Thomas Ratojic. What? (laughs) How what? Yeah. It's very Russian. Very, very Russian. Quite. On January 4th, 1962. Capricorn. Oh, there you go. You guys would have got along so well. Been way brooding, too well. brooding in the corner together like- we wouldn't have even talked it just would have been like silent and just arms crossed just tension tense yeah. yeah. oh the most
0: intense faces
1: oh yeah he grew up in the Bensonhurst and brighton beach neighborhoods of brooklyn oh. the youngest of six with Woof. five older sisters oh, oh my god yeah
0: His His, parents were like, we're going to have a boy, we're going to have a boy, we're going to have a boy, and we did it. And done. (laughs) And it happened.
1: No more fucking. His parents were a hardworking couple. His dad was a World War II veteran and was of Russian and Polish descent, while his mother was a mix of Scottish, Irish, and Nordic nationalities. Wow. No doubt this influenced little Pete, who grew up with a fascination with Scandinavian culture. Mm -hmm. Growing up, believe it or not, Pete was a pretty shy guy. Shy guy? He was a shy guy.
0: <laughs> Not a
1: fun guy, a shy, shy guy. guy. <laughs> he was quiet and kept to himself, and he was also physically imposing. By the time he was an adult, yeah,
0: he was here for it.
1: Yeah, he stood at a solid six foot eight, like we said before. Mm.
0: Yeah, but- I bet
1: he did <laughs> climb all over that motherfucker. I mean, I'm all about the tall guys. Not fair.
0: You're five three. I'm sorry. I mean. It's not my fault. It's not your fault. Tall guys, for some weird reason, like really short ladies, and then like relatively tall ladies that are five nine. Yeah. Short dudes are like, but like, hey, and I'm like,
1: <sighs> but Peter Steele liked tall women. He did. I sent you that quote that he, did. that um, I found today about how he liked he liked tall women, so he didn't have to bend down because he had back problems. <laughs>
0: like, oh, I would have been so here for you, Peter Steele. Aww.
1: Why aren't there more
0: tall men taking a page out of your book? At least just on that, nothing else. Yeah. The things that could have (sighs) been.
1: I mean, but not. But probably not. not. I don't know if you would have wanted to. Yeah,
0: that's fair. I don't know if he would have wanted to either. (laughs) So I think we would have been fine. We could have shook hands and walked away. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But his shyness didn't stop him from pursuing music. At age 12, he began playing guitar, but shortly after starting guitar, he switched to bass, which he would play throughout all the bands of which he was a member. Mm. Early on, he made friends with the guys who would help him start Typo Negative, but they had a few other musical endeavors before that. Okay. In 1979, Pete and his childhood friend Josh Silver started a heavy metal band, Fallout, with Pete on bass, of course, and Josh on keyboards. Mm-hmm. They recruited friend John Campos on guitar and Louis Beto on drums. They were around for about three years, but broke up in 1982. But some of the guys went from Fallout straight to another band called Carnivore, Carnivore was a thrash metal band, which is kind of interesting because around this time, the mid-1980s, you had Metallica and Megadeth and yep. the Big Four thrashing their way across the West Coast. This was the very early days of thrash metal on the East Coast, and Carnivore were right in the middle of it. Oh, okay. This was also around the time when Petrus Ratajic <laughs> decided to change his name to something a bit simpler for their debut album, Petrus Ratajic <laughs> became <laughs> Petrus T. Steele, and eventually just Peter Steele. It's very, it's very Freddie Mercury-esque, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. So it's a good uh, jump off from Queen. Mm-hmm. And Louis Beto became Louis Beto, spelled Wait. B-E-A-T-E-A-U-X instead of B-E-A-T-O. Louis
0: Beto. Beto. Beto, the French. I, maybe, I don't know.
1: They also had a I pretty guess. interesting stage show, often trying to make a post apocalyptic atmosphere by dressing in the most wonderfully ridiculous outfits. Nice. They were trying to look like Mad Maxian warriors that somehow found themselves as members of Guar. Yes. They would often throw animal brains and innards at their audiences and drench them in blood. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh my
1: God. Just he- imagine a baby Peter Steele, which. I will, I will was still 68. Yeah, I will have to find pictures of baby Peter Seal when he was in Carnivore. Wait, because was
0: that not in
1: his velour tracksuit? That was not in uh, uh, those pictures of him in like a velour tracksuit with like long hair and feathered bangs. So good for days. So good, <laughs> amazing.
0: So eighties.
1: So if they wanted to be noticed, this tactic certainly worked. They became known in New York City area for their heavy sound and ridiculous stage show, and also for their terrifyingly large front man. (laughs) Was this before Guar? This was around the same time as Guar. I want to say Guar started in 1984, so this was also the early to mid-80s. Carnivore released two full-length albums, the second very different from the first, but both just as controversial as the other. Now, the whole point of Carnivore was to shock and disgust people, and that meant not just in their outfits, but also in their song lyrics. Okay.
0: I mean, you can't have one without the other. Frank Sinatra coined that. God damn it.
1: (laughs) And if Frankie knows
0: one thing, it's...
1: You can't have one without the other. other. Love and marriage. Okay. I'm done. (laughs) uh, so Peter would later come under fire for his, shall we say, less than inclusive lyrical content Ooh. while in typo negative, but the controversy started in Carnivore. Songs like Race War had terribly racist messages, all under the guise of this post-apocalyptic pack story. Is he Charles Manson? I, 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 I get it. Like, he may not have thought that he was being serious about it. Right. He may not have been serious about it. Probably.
0: probably, You know what? Probably not. Because he was, what, like 20? Yeah. When you're 20, you're an idiot.
1: But this is something that's going to make its way throughout, like, all of typo negative though you can also be a racist and an idiot. <laughs> right. Turns like, out. You can also be, you know, tongue in cheek but also perpetuate a very racist overtone that you probably shouldn't be doing. But Maybe. but granted, you know, I I don't want to just, you know, glaze over this, but it was the 80s. You could say a lot of shit that you can't say now. Yeah. You can't say any of this shit in 2019 you can't write a song that is blatantly racist nope and just be like i was just a joke no you can't do that yeah that's not a thing anymore but this was a thing that he did all the time (laughs) and like even into the 2000s he was doing this and I get it. He 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 was be he has a very particular sense of humor. And I understand that sense of humor because to a certain extent, I have the same sense of humor. It's right. very much a New York thing.
0: Yeah, we're very cynical. I think it's our terrible winters. Yeah.
1: And it can be when it's not face to face, when you're not telling this like funny story face to face with someone, it can be misconstrued very easily. Yeah. And I think starting with Carnivore that that's a thing that happens a lot. But anyway. Anyway, we digress. (laughs) We we really digress.
0: We're not trying to defend Peter Steele and any of his bullshit.
1: No, not at all. But at the same time... Just painting a picture. This is where, when I was writing... I told you when I was writing my notes, (laughs) I am having, like, a Van Roth versus Van Hagar, like, meltdown. And it is almost like like
0: a year since we did that, so this works.
1: (laughs) This makes sense. This all makes sense. Like, on one side, like, I totally understand where he's coming from. I understand that he's be that, that his message is being misinterpreted because he's trying to be funny. Right. And it's just, n- now in 2019, it's not True. coming across. It just not. <laughs> but it doesn't at, read. But at the same time, I'm like... But the music is really good. The artistry's amazing. Right. He is a very talented man that has a very distinct vision, and he fucking def- like defined gothic industrial metal. Yeah. So what do I do? Can I separate the artist from the artist from th- the art?
0: I think that will be an eternal question for yeah. at least our generation for the rest of our fucking lives. Because yeah. how many a how many musicians have we covered at this point who have. Real questionable check oh, pass. Yeah. And that's not even talking about the people just, like, in any industry or in any art form. Yeah. That you're like, wow, you did some fucked up shit, but you also did some beautiful it's art. Like, How do I support this?
1: Is it okay to separate the person from the art, or do you have to take both together? Yeah. And that is my dilemma with typo negative. <laughs> yep.
0: And that'll be a theme for tonight's episode.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so naturally, all things must come to an end, including carnivore... After their second album, Retaliation, was released, Pete realized he didn't really like the more hardcore punk direction the band was going in Mm -hmm. and decided to leave. It wasn't all bad for the guys, though, since Pete went on to form Typo Negative and Louis Biteau went went on to form the pioneering punk band, Agnostic Front. Oh! And good for Louis. But it wasn't punk that Pete was interested in. Right. Yeah. No, no. Not at all. I don't (laughs) think... No, no, oh no, no. <laughs> However, I can see Pete and Henry Rollins like being really good friends. Yeah, somehow, somehow it it's a it's a friendship like, that makes Henry sense in my would head. Be
0: Pete's get a grip friend. I feel like.
1: Oh, I kind of wish that they were good friends, right? No. yeah.
0: Damn. In retrospect,
1: yeah. So in 1989, Pete connected with three of his childhood friends: Josh Silver, Kenny Hickey, and Sal Abruscato. Abruscato. <laughs> His last name sounds like an Italian dish. Like, it abruscato. Brus- abruscato.
0: Hey, no meets an abruscato.
1: <laughs> That's an inside joke. Nobody uh, else got that. Nope,
0: but I did. <laughs>
1: Drunk Maggie making jokes. <laughs> so these guys started a new band called Repulsion. But wouldn't you know it, there's already an existing band with the same name, so God they ch- damn, for Pete's sake. For Pete's sake. <laughs> so they changed it to Sub Zero. But the guy struck out again with that name, which was unfortunate because Pete already had a tattoo design with the Sub Zero name in mind. Wait, he didn't get the tattoo, did he? No. Oh, okay. But he he reincorporated it. It was a simple design, just a circle with a negative mark through the middle. Hmm. For sub-zero. Yeah,
0: but it also works But for it. it would end
1: up inspiring their eventual permanent name, typo-negative. Which is my blood type. Oh. Yay! I've always wanted to know what my blood type is. I have no idea. I finally,
0: like, cowboyed up and got my blood drawn last year, and I wanted to know what my blood type was, and they're like... Half of it was because I wanted to be a good person, half of it was because I wanted to know what my blood type was. And they're like typo negative. I'm like, I fucking knew I was a typo negative.
1: That I yeah, that's kind of the only reason I would give blood because it is impossible to get blood from my veins. Yeah. So
0: I just really for a girl with a bunch of tattoos, hate needles.
1: I'm alright with it, because I got fucking poked enough when I was a kid. Nah, I'm so I I don't, like I don't it. whatever.
0: I don't, I don't like blood. Blood's gross. I'm alright with it. I wouldn't have done well at, uh... Was it, uh... Carnivores? Early concerts. (laughs) would not have done well. I would be like... Didn't want to be in the front
1: row of that show. Just (laughs) vomiting out fucking next to animal brains. By 1991, Typo Negative signed a record deal with Roadrunner Records, which is a tongue twister when you've had a couple beers. Roadrunner Records. Roadrunner Records. I did it. (laughs) And started working on their first album, Slow, Deep, and Hard. Oh, Origi- yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> oh? Originally a demo under their old name Repulsion, it was an obvious departure from Carnivore, less thrash, more doom metal, but almost bridged a gap between the end of Carnivore and the beginning of typo Negative as we know it. But lyrically, quite honestly, by today's standards, it was racist and sexist and classist and partakes in slut-shaming and fantasies of killing an ex-girlfriend, and it's generally in poor taste. And doesn't really hold up. And doesn't really hold up. Huh. All right. It definitely is a sign of its time. Okay. You know? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what if you took out the lyrics? Is it, like, musically at least pretty good? I mean, yeah. It's definitely... You can definitely hear the carnivore influences in it. Right. It's not it's not bloody kisses, it's not black number one, but right. it's But what is. But what is but if you took the lyrics out of it, it would still be a really great dirgy doom metal album. Okay, okay. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean that's at least the musical talent was there. Yeah. So yeah. that's something. Most of the tracks are about a very bad breakup Pete went through in nineteen eighty nine, after which he tried to commit suicide. Oh. He wrote all of the songs within a day. Wow. One day. All right. Their first major tour followed the release of Slow, Deep and Hard, and the boys found themselves touring Europe for the first time. But things didn't really go so well. Huh. The Europeans had this idea that the band were racist assholes, probably based on their song <laughs> Der Untermensch, which heavily criticized people living off of government benefits, Black people in particular. Uh, oh, God. Considering the song's title, which is a Nazi word for inferior non Aryan people, oh God. I can see why they'd feel that way. Oh, God. I mean, the, the, he probably wrote this song specifically to conjure up controversy and to make people, you know, get their panties in a bunch and shit. But you kind of had to figure that if you were touring Europe, Maybe people wouldn't be okay with it so much as Americans would. Yeah, because, like... For Pete's sake. <laughs> for Pete's sake. Come on. Come on,
0: man. You... Like, read The Room. <laughs> all right?
1: Jeez, or, Louise. You know, read the country. Read the continent. 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 Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Did they influence Norwegian death metal? Because I feel like maybe. Oh,
1: no, I don't think so. Huh. Interesting. Norwegian death metal was very much rooted in European, specifically British, heavy metal. Okay. So I I doubt they knew who Typo Negative was by the time. And they but probably I feel like they would have really liked their songs. Oh, no. I think they would have thought Peter Steele was a fucking pussy. But at the same
0: time, if they didn't see Peter Steele and just heard those wh- lyrics, though, they might be like, <laughs> he fucking gets it. And then Peter Steele would go to fucking Norway and be like, oh, you know you know what i need to think about my life choices
1: <laughs> and you know there you go but all the black metal kids would be like yo we we can really fucks to this music <laughs> oh no don't fucks to that music <laughs> but at the same time nobody was fucking them i'm sorry guys. i'm sorry Burzum and mayhem but nobody was fucking nobody you guys. was fucking nobody yes. was fucking you guys
0: but we'll get to that
1: yeah someday oh soon enough <laughs> thanks hollywood <laughs> To be fair, question mark? (laughs) Pete later said that he... To be fair? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Pete later said that he regretted making that album. Not really for the lyrical content in particular. Not to be fair. No. But because he rushed the construction of it. And he was also drunk and pissed off when he wrote it. He was also under the impression it was only going to be a demo, but then it was sent to the presses and released anyway. For Pete's sake! (laughs) Are you shit? Okay, go ahead. In response to their treatment on the road, Typo Negative released Origin of the Feces.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love this album name.
1: Their second full-length album in 1992. It's basically a fake live album recorded with a fake belligerent audience hurling insults at the band. Yeah. I didn't- and that the band fake. hurling insults right back at them. Oh, my God. At one point on the album, Pete stops in the middle of a song because of a bomb threat, quote unquote, being called into the quote unquote venue, which apparently did happen while they were on tour in Europe. Well, okay.
0: But at the same time, I kind of feel like it's like, ooh, you're a rich white boy trying to get attention. <sighs> I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say he was a rich white boy. You're a white boy trying to get attention. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're like, ooh, you know what'll really, like, grab the normies by the balls? Yeah, you know... If what's... I put a
1: bomb threat on this yeah. album. You know what's really going to frost them cookies over there in Europe is oh, if say I... cookies. I'm so hungry. <laughs> but yeah. You know what's really going to frost their cookies over in Europe is if I, you know, make Makeup. this fake live album where... <laughs> I'm making fun of them, be- their audience. They probably being didn't even
0: listen to it.
1: <laughs> I don't know. They were probably like, I don't really like Typo Negative.
0: I don't think I'm buying their next album. And that was that. I I really
1: can't comment on what Europe thought. Does? Of, <laughs> does, period. But so you saying you're not the spokesperson for Europe? Unfortunately, no. I expected I mean, I can, better
0: of you, goddammit. I
1: can try. Trying counts. I can try. And it probably should be mentioned that even though Pete said he regretted recording slow, deep, and hard, pretty much all of the songs off of that album were reworked and put on Origin of the Feces. I mean, yeah,
0: he just he he just thought they needed to, a little reworking. Yeah, they didn't. He didn't really think he needed too much else with them.
1: Also, fun fact: the cover of um, Origin of the Feces was a close-up of Peter Seals' butthole. It's on Wikipedia. You can look it up. I'm definitely going to look that up. (laughs) Next up was an album that would put Typo Negative on the map and solidify them as the ultimate goth band. Released in 1993, Bloody Kisses was depressing goth dirge metal with a heavy dose of humor in the lyrics. Oh, yeah. They finally found that nice comfy niche to wedge themselves into, and they did it so well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty fucking goth. I mean, definitely two of the songs off that album made it to my goth playlist.
1: And, and as they should be. As they should be. I would put the whole fucking album on there.
0: Yeah, that's too much typo <laughs> that's negative too for much. me. That's like a little too much. Yeah.
1: Almost the whole fucking album, but we'll, we'll get to
0: that. <laughs> we'll get to that.
1: Also a nice fun fact is the cover art of Slow, Deep, and Hard is a blurry close-up of sexual penetration. If you look at it what? from afar, it kind of just looks like a chubby dude with like his belly overhang. Yeah. But no, it's like the underside of a penis going into a vagina. I had to look at it for a long time today <laughs> it's to like figure a it out. It it's like a magic eye. It kind of the, is. The magic eye of like album covers. It kind of is. All right. It's pretty funny. But yeah, I if you see it and you can figure it out, you let me know. <laughs>
0: right in if you can figure out the penetration
1: and not yeah. the fat man with the with a gut with a gut overhang yeah right. it was just what I thought it was and then I read somewhere what it actually is and then I was like oh now oh. I see it all right it's like z. Ze- it's like seeing like the the zebra or whatever in the magic the, eye. The which, sailboat. The sailboat in the magic eye. I don't eye, see a which sailboat. Which I never saw. I never, I could, never could get the you hang know of what? magic That's the eye. Thing. Thing.
0: I'm not good at magic eye. That's why I liked Mallrats, because I I felt that guy. I'm like yeah. I don't
1: ever fucking see it either. And every time, they, everybody would be like, well, just cross your eyes. I'm like, I feel like you're setting me up for something because I still can't see Well, I'd
0: cross my eyes and pull it away, like, exactly what the directions yeah. would tell you. And you know what I no, saw? No. Nothing. nothing. I saw, like, it's obnoxious, scam. like, colors and lines.
1: It was. It's like a fucking oh my God, internet scam no, before nothing, the internet you know what, existed. You know what? There's
0: nothing there. It's a fucking Jedi mind trick. That's what that shit is. All
1: those fucking cereal boxes were made by Jedis and they're fucking mind tricks. you
0: think you saw something, you didn't, but you think you did because you're a sheep.
1: You sheeple. Sheeple. So up until now, these guys still had regular nine to five jobs. Oh. Pete's job in particular was one he genuinely loved. That of sanitation worker for the (laughs) New York City Parks Department. (laughs) Oh. He He loves garbage. He loved it so much that after his death, a memorial was set up for him in Prospect Park in Brooklyn, commemorating the man who helped keep the park beautiful. He has a bench. He has a plaque. They have like a memorial on a tree. It was adorable. I wonder if
0: I, I must. I must have passed by that a bunch of times. I used you to go had get, to. Have. I must,
1: cause I went to Prospect a
0: lot, especially yeah. to go roller skating. So I'm sure.
1: Maybe at this point, like the plaque and like the green plaque and like ribbons and stuff aren't there anymore. I didn't really know. But the bench is still there. The bench is permanent, and it has a plaque on it with his real birth name on oh, it. Oh,
0: okay. I'm gonna have to look that up the next yeah. time in the city.
1: Most of the lyrics to "Bloody Kisses" were conjured up while Pete was on the job. One story in particular is one we've talked about on this podcast before. Yes. According to Pete, he was driving a sanitation truck to the Hamilton Avenue Marine Transfer t- Station. And while in line waiting to dump the human waste marinating in the back of his truck, he wrote the lyrics to Black Number One. Oh, I thought it was about an ex-girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, my God. It's it's not about shit in the back of a truck. Oh, okay. It's about an ex-girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> It could very easily. I mean... By the title alone. Six of one, half dozen of the other? (laughs) Could be. If you've never heard Black Number One, then you're truly missing out. And frankly, you can't call yourself a true goth. It's the ultimate goth anthem for the black clad masses. So goth. It's Pete's ode to a particularly self-obsessed ex-girlfriend who thought she was the end-all be-all of gothic queens, repeatedly referencing the hair dye called Black Number 1 that was popular amongst the goth crowd at that time. Because
0: it is the blackest of black. It is black. the
1: blackest. It covers any color. It is, it's like black oil. The yeah. blackest of the black. It will,
0: it will cover everything. Yeah. In darkness. <laughs>
1: He runs the gamut of dark imagery describing this girl, and apparently a ton of fans could relate to her description. But unbeknownst to them, P was actually making fun of the song's subject, and the people like her. I honestly could tell. In, like When you listen to her, you're like, oh,
0: he's definitely making fun of this girl. If you
1: really listen to it and you read the lyrics, you're like, oh... He's being sarcastic. He's being there's cheeky. That, there's that Brooklyn sarcasm we know and love from Pete Steele. Again, I think it's just a New York thing. I think you only really get it if it you're is, from New York. Because to be perfectly honest, where I grew up is not that far from New York. No. It's like we're about halfway between New York City and Albany. For some reason, where we were, we were more inclined to go to New York City than we were to go north. That's fair. Um,
0: I'm not going to begrudge you for that. Yeah.
1: So... That weird New- New- Southern New York City sense of humor kind of permeated mm. up to us, and we got the same kind of dark sense of humor. Yeah, that people in Brooklyn like that. It's like kind of satirical, yeah. and like you
0: gotta you gotta be able to laugh at the bad shit, or else yeah. you're not gonna get through your day. That's, right. I mean, I lived in Brooklyn for four years. Yeah, if I didn't have a sense of humor i would not be here right now but it's a very
1: dark sense of humor oh
0: yeah bad
1: shit's happening but you need to have you need to make jokes in order to get through your day yeah you know so when i moved up to albany and i i had this sense of humor everyone would just kind of look at me like why are you so negative i'm like you don't get my sense of humor at all great gonna have a great time up here
0: then i come back and i'm like
1: Hey, I get it. Yeah. So yeah, he certainly made her sound sexy in this song. Yeah. But with his signature dark humor, he was actually making fun of her narcissism.
0: Wait, did he make her sound sexy because he sings like Dracula? That's pretty much. That's how he makes anything sound sexy. Like if you haven't listened to typo, <laughs> if you haven't listened to typo negative. Basically, Peter Steele when he sings tries to sound like Dracula.
1: He really does. He does the, the rolling R's.
0: Dracula.
1: Yes, exactly. That's exactly how he talks when yeah. he's singing.
0: It's it's not an exaggeration. It's he not at all. He really tries to sound like this. <laughs> I'm bitter still.
1: It's very accurate. Coco
0: Crispies. Coco <laughs> Crispies. We're not talking
1: about that song yet. Hold God your horses. God damn it. Bloody Kisses became a hit for the band and solidified their status as one of the best gothic metal bands in history. It was the first album Roadrunner ever released to go platinum. Oh, Roadrunner Records, who now has Nickelback signed to them? Whoa! Uh, I don't actually I don't know if Nickelback is still on Roadrunner, but when they first came out, they were a Roadrunner band. Look at this graph. <laughs> You're really good at
0: doing <laughs> these terrible fan leader
1: Am impressions. I really good at
0: doing terrible things. Is that what you're saying? You know what? I, I, okay. This is your this, this is, is your moment of fame. This is
1: your moment for your impressions to shine. <laughs> you're doing a great job. Thanks. <laughs> but black number one wasn't the only love or really love hate song on the album. A condensed version of Christian woman was was released the same year and also did well on the charts, despite his controversial subject matter. Inspired by 80s New Wave, the lyrics described a woman struggling with her faith. However, Pete said it was inspired by a religious woman he dated that wanted him to dress like a priest in the bedroom. That's hot. It's kind of hot. I'd hit it.
0: <laughs> like, Take that fucking collar off. Let's go.
1: The most gothest priest ever oh in existence. Oh my god. No, I'd hit it. I'm here for it. Here for it. It ruffled some feathers for its lyrical imagery of getting fucked by Jesus, but I personally think the song Kill All the White People is a smidge more controversial a song. Yeah, that song made me actually uncomfortable. Yeah. It was once again an attempt at sarcasm on Pete's part, but it appears a hell of a lot of people didn't get it. It doesn't... Okay. It doesn't translate very well. No, it does not. Yeah, no. Um, He has said that he wrote it in response to the media and detractors saying the band was full of white supremacists. Apparently, this was supposed to dispel those rumors, but I think it backfired. Oh, you think? For Pete's sake! (laughs) But this is me talking in 2019, not having grown up listening to typo negative. Yeah. I understand if somebody was a typo negative fan and they listened to an interview with him or read an interview with him and he said, you know, this is our response to people saying that we're white supremacists. We're not. This is just us making fun of them. Right. If it, if I had listened to that and read that back in the 90s or the early 2000s even, I think I would have had a different opinion about it. Agreed. But this is me coming at it in a in a quote-unquote woke State. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but despite all the unfortunate controversy surrounding some of the songs, Pete did manage to show his soft side. He might sing a lot about theoretically killing his exes and himself, but at least 80% of his songs centered around love and feelings of depression and loss With that love goes away. Oh. Case in point is the title track to the album, which is actually about his cat dying. Oh my god, what? Pete... Loved animals, and this redeems a lot. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it does. Though he was very much an animal lover, and I think, at least when he was older, he had at least four cats as pets at a time. He was a cat man, not a dog man.
0: man. Oh, see, he's a cat man. I'm not really a cat person. I love cats. Cats are fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'm cool with cats.
1: You're a cool cat.
0: And I'm not a cool cat, but I'm cool with cats. You're cool with cool cats. But I'm a dog lady. You're cool with cool cats, as long
1: as cats are cool. Yes. Thanks, Dr. Seuss. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) This particular feline was Pete's companion for 17 years and then passed away. Oh, shit. That's a long time. I'd be fucking sad, too. Yeah. Many people, including Pete himself, has said that he had serious issues with abandonment and loss, so Aww. he took his cat's death particularly hard. Aww. Hard enough to write a love song about it, though it was heavily disguised as a song about a human woman, and he named the whole album after it.
0: Um, You know who else wrote a song about his cats? Freddie Mercury. Oh my god. F- the parallels between Freddie Mercury and Peter Steele right now. I'm here for it. <laughs> cats. Cats, cats are name parallels. change.
1: Name change. Of cats name change. Of cats. <laughs> Other than that, like, ooh, they would not have gotten along. No, I think they would have gotten along perfectly fine, as long as Freddie didn't say anything remotely sexual, um, to which Peter he one
0: hundred percent would have. Oh, and he would have because he knows it would have pissed off Peter Steele. Oh, yeah. Steel. oh to know be what? a fly on, on the wall. wall. Oh my God, I need some fan <laughs> art of like Pete Steele after he dies coming to heaven, and Freddie's like. Hello, darling. And he's like, God damn it. God damn it. Fuck. (laughs) Hey, but you know what else Peter Steele loves? What? Coco Crispies. Coco Crispies.
1: She needs Coco (laughs)
0: Crispies.
1: The fucking memes we're going to be posting. Oh,
0: meme prayer yourself, because it's happening. (laughs)
1: So, "Bloody Kisses" was released and was successful, and now the band had a decision ma- to make. They all had their nine-to-fives, but they needed to go out and really tour and support the album. But wait,
0: Pete loves his job. There, oh, no, I'm winking at you. there. Oh. You.
1: Josh, Sal, and Kenny were gung ho to get on the road, but Pete was kind of hesitant. He really loved his job, wait. his job at the Parks Department. He loved being outside, and he had a great rapport with elderly and homeless people he'd run into every day. He also really loved being out in nature, or as nature as New York City can get.
0: Yeah. He <laughs> hey, the nature that New York City has is pretty.
1: Yes, but it's few and far between. Yes.
0: I can't imagine what it was like in the 80s and early 90s. No.
1: He had a connection to nature that he reveled in, and it gave him a peace of mind. That obvious love of nature, combined with his official parks department garb, which was green overalls, were the reasons why people gave him the nickname Green Man, which was a title he was especially proud of. He even wrote a song about it that would end up on their next album. He was satisfied with parking his butt in New York, working every day and playing in the band at night. He didn't really want to go on the road, and it caused some tension in the band to the point where Sal decided to leave. He didn't want to be in a band that would squander it its success. If Pete put his foot down and didn't tour, what was the point? Yeah. So they replaced Sal in late 1993 with Johnny Kelly, and Pete kicked his own butt into gear and relented. He quit his beloved city job and went out on the road. Hey, Sal. Sal. You fucked up. <laughs> you fucking jumped the gun way too early. Well, I mean... but No. But
0: Sal has no. done some
1: really great stuff on his own. Mm. He's in a... What is it? A Pale White Horse or something like that? I don't know. He's in a couple like famous mans I don't listen to. But but can we
0: go back really quick? Yeah. And imagine an episode of Parks and Rec with Peter Steele in it.
1: <laughs> if he was like a recurring character. In, Pe- like in Parks the and F- Rec. Yes. Like and the- he just
0: shows up in green overalls. He's like and
1: he's talking to his Brooklyn I, accent. I,
0: I, I you need Oh some, my god, some this is, this was a of. squandered
1: opportunity. Well, I don't know. Parks and Rec came out well before he passed away, but Oh it did. I'm pretty sure. Oh, well we'll find out. Yeah. Um
0: <laughs> we'll find out. I but don't can know can you either. imagine if somebody Can you
1: imagine? I mean, he Pete took a couple acting roles. He was in a couple movies. He was on a few shows. So he could have been, like, a, a minor Parks and Rec character. Oh my and it would have...
0: Squandered opportunities. It wouldn't
1: have been that far from the truth. <laughs> and he would have just walked in and he just towers
0: over everyone. Even, like, Ron would be like,
1: hmm. He'd be like uh, Councilman Jam, but, oh like, way God. better.
0: But way better. But way better. Oh, my God.
1: Like a combination of Councilman Jam and like the two um animal control guys who are yes. hired out of their fucking minds all the time. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is perfect.
0: Amy Poehler. And, and like, what's his name? Oren. We... What's the guy's name?
1: I don't know. But what's can... her face's friend? Can we? Oh, oh. <laughs> Oren. Oren.
0: He would have just been like, Oren <laughs> and the guys from the animal department.
1: <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Yes. They became true road warriors they toured constantly even up through the two thousands and it seemed like they were totally fine with that wow they had a solid dedicated fan base that attended their shows religiously always ensuring every tour was was a success But of course, tours were always done Pete's way, which meant they had a bus, they stayed in hotels, and there was always a full set of gym equipment on hand to satisfy Pete's obsession with staying fit.
0: Honestly, this isn't the worst rider I've ever seen. Yeah, no.
1: Not by a long shot. They're no Beyonce. Mm. You know why they do that, right? What?
0: Like why Beyonce says like no green M&Ms or is it brown? Which one did she say? Green, I think? I don't know. You know why they do that?
1: Isn't it like to test people yeah, 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 to make to test sure the sure that...
0: attention to detail? Because yeah. here's the thing: if you can get something small right, like the food, then they know that you got the stage right, mm-hmm. which is an important thing. But if you fuck up even the food, they're like, they fucked up my sound set and my lighting. Yeah. Never Hold coming up. here again. Never coming here again. But here. also gotta double check that with my crew, right? So just in case you did not know that, now you
1: know. That's why people have those devastating riders-, riders. But all of this hard touring meant hard partying, and alcohol and drugs quickly became a problem. Balls. Pete said he started doing coke at age thirty-five, which would have been around when their next album, October Rust, was released. It's a bit
0: of a late start, isn't it?
1: It is, huh. right? And, and it makes me wonder, like, why why it was so late? But I like, guess because that's when he really they really started getting to their own. I guess. And like, maybe just to be like against the grain, because at that point it was like grunge was the big thing and everybody was on heroin. So fuck heroin, let's do coke. I don't know.
0: Or maybe he just wanted an upper. Maybe. He seems like a very like subdued dude.
1: Yeah. So in order to get like psyched for on stage, alcohol wasn't doing it. So maybe you had to do like a line of coke and then you were okay. Yeah. Because
0: like if you're into heroin, you were out for the night.
1: Right. All right. Some of his friends have said that Pete was an all-or-nothing guy. If he picked up a hobby, he went balls to the wall with it until he abandoned it for good and (laughs) went balls to the wall over the next thing. Working out was one of those things. Okay. Unfortunately, he took up Coke as a terrible, terrible hobby, but this was one he didn't... Coke isn't a hobby! I I know. Coke's not a hobby! No. It was a terrible, terrible hobby. But this was one he didn't shake until it was probably too late. Aww. In the meantime, they released October Rust in 1996, again to critical acclaim. Although it didn't do as well as Bloody Kisses, October Rust was certified gold in no time. Arguably their most melodic and cohesive album, it was probably Typo Negative's most central album, too. It touches mostly on sex and love rather than breakup, suicide, or political topics like Hmm. their previous albums. But don't think... Controversy still wasn't there. Oh yeah. Pete's blunt language, ever present in his lyrics, is front and center. On Be My Druidist, he repeats the line, I would do anything to make you dot 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 comb. <laughs> comb <Calm. laughs> that's exactly how calm. he said it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, comb,
0: like comb my hair and he's like, No, these <laughs> no. these vampire things get in my way of Excuse saying me. my words. Let me
1: roll my C's a little bit more. You can't roll a C! He could. And the song Wolf Moon is about eating out a lady while she's on her period. Oh, yeah.
0: The first lyric somewhere, it's like...
1: On the 28th day, day she she will bleed.
0: Or she bleeds, yeah. But you know what? It's a good fucking song, though. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I I actually do prefer that album to Bloody Kisses. Just because I do find it, like you said, to be more melodic and just... It's catchier. The songs... I. I'm sorry. While I do really love, like, Black Number 1 and Christian Woman, they are so long. Yes, They, they do are. not to be that long. <laughs> Whereas, uh, October Rust, it's like, they go through. Like, you're like, yeah. okay, you get to the point, you're going through it. Like, you, they seem to know what they're doing more. Yeah. And I, I like that album a little bit more.
1: Yeah, for me personally, October Rust is definitely my favorite album of theirs. When I listen to it. I'm transported back to that 90s industrial goth scene. Hell yes! But somehow the music is kind of timeless, and I haven't been able to find any other band that encapsulates that sound so beautifully. It's it's very specific of a certain time frame. Mm. But if somebody put out October Rust now, with maybe less controversial topics... Mm-hmm. It would go it it would be so popular. Yeah. I think they could they could have released it now and everybody would fucking love it.
0: Yo, like Goth Knight needs to play more typo negative. Right? Because here's what the thing. is wrong with First of all, I saw at least two guys try to be Peter Steele at Goth Knight. Yeah. And everybody's trying to fuck at Goth Knight. If you want... Oh my god, that's probably why you they don't play <gasps> that's because everyone would play. just
1: start fucking on like, the bar.
0: Everybody's already trying to fuck. Everybody will be Then they just if
1: you... would fuck.
0: Yeah. And honestly, don't want... I don't
1: want to be around for that. I'm good. Whoa. I would. Every single person would be like, who's not matched up with somebody would be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going home. Oh, yeah. No, I've had about enough I, um, of this. I'm going to get some pizza and go home by myself. Oh, I
0: mean, are you really going home by yourself if you're going home with some pizza? No,
1: nah, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Most notable on this record is their cover of Neil Young's Cinnamon Girl, which became a pretty popular single for them. I should mention that Typo Negative really liked to do covers. Oh, yeah, they did. They have at least one cover on every album, and they played live covers all the time. Summer Breeze, originally by Seals and Crofts, was on Bloody Kisses. Yes. It also appears on the I Know What You Did Last Summer soundtrack, and is the reason most people our age probably know it. Summer Breeze was a song that Pete had been wanting to, to record for a long time, finally had the chance... To record it back on "Bloody Kisses," but in true Peter Seal fashion, he wanted to change up the words. For starters, he wanted to change the title to "Summer Girl," yeah, and then naturally change the lyrics around to be about explicit sex. Oh, Seals and Crofts were not amused, and basically said, "Uh, do the correct lyrics or don't do the song at all." Damn! Yeah. Oh. They would often do live covers of Light My Fire by the Doors, Day Tripper by the Beatles, Bad Moon Rising by uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and a slew of Black Sabbath songs. Here's the thing. I can see all of those except for Day Tripper
0: by the Beatles.
1: They did several live Beatles covers. She was a
0: day tripper.
1: But they like... they, knew, One they way did,
0: ticket, yeah.
1: They also did Dear <laughs> Prudence. What? Yeah. They, but they made it their own and they did it really well. All
0: right. All right. All right.
1: During the October rust years, Pete fully realized visual and symbolic concepts for typo negative that that he'd been toying with for years. The first was the color green. He'd been obsessed with the color for a long time, even agonizing over just the right shade for the album art for Bloody Kisses but now green was the official color of the band. He souped up his bass with green trim and frets, and the band members always wore green shirts at live shows. This was also when the Vinland flag made its first appearance on a typo-negative album and would show up on all releases from here forward. It was a simple design based on a Nordic cross, rendered in green and black naturally. It had a lot of personal symbolism to it, The color green obviously was for Pete's interest in nature and paganism and referenced his old job that he loved so much where people called him the green man and the Nordic influences relate to his heritage. Okay, yeah. Vinland Flags were first produced in 2004 and since then various groups for better or worse have attempted to appropriate it as their own. Mm. Since Vinland is technically a real place in northern Canada, political groups in New Finland use the flag to represent their Nordic colony. And unfortunately, the white supremacist group Vinlanders Social Club tried to take it as a symbol of their beliefs, even though Peter conceptualized it with no racist connotations in mind. Fucking, hey. Fucking white supremacist D-bags, B&D-bags. You're all the worst. Just stop it. Stop. Guys, you lost. And this is the other problem that I have with the uh, perceived racist songs that Typo Negative has. Even if you are being sarcastic or you're having, you're doing this tongue in cheek kind of, um... Political song about black people or... Like, you
0: think it's just a joke and you think it's it's, funny. Yeah,
1: you think it's just a joke. There's a shit ton of people over here who are like, yeah, these are my bros. They get me. I'm a white supremacist. They're white supremacists, too. So we're going to appropriate all that shit and take it for our own. And we're going to put them on a pedestal and make them seem like they're white supremacists. Yeah,
0: unfortunately, you can easily be brought into a situation that you 100% want nothing to do with. Right. So just you have because, to watch what you're saying. Right.
1: Just because no. your sense of humor was misconstrued. This is just another thing to give Peter Seal or Typo Negative bad a cred. relatively yeah, a bad reputation. Yeah. And they're not doing anything to help them fucking selves. No, they're
0: not. <laughs> <laughs> Here's but the thing. this doesn't
1: help either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I screwed up my notes a little bit. It happens. But... In between Bloody Kisses and October Rust, Pete decided to pose for Playgirl.
0: Oh, I was, I was wondering when you were going to bring this up.
1: Yeah, I screwed up my notes a little bit, but we're going to go back and address this. You're welcome. (laughs) This happened in 1995, shortly after Bloody Kisses blew up and everybody wanted a piece of Pete. Yeah. And that included men, too. Something that clearly didn't sit well with Pete. No. Because here's the thing with him, and we will see this come up again and again. You can make an argument that he's not a racist. Yeah. He's just using his dark sense of humor to show people that some people mooch off the government, yeah. or he's not sexist. He's just being tongue-in-cheek about killing ex-girlfriends yeah. or whatever. But Pete is, and I know I'm going to get shit for this, but he is without a doubt 100% homophobic. Oh no, he is. Here's the thing.
0: I do believe that there is a difference between being being just a blatant racist and being a racist from ignorance. Yes. And being like sexist from ignorance. I think that Pete is one of those people that could have learned like Ooh, no! I shouldn't do those things about like people of color or women or blah blah blah. Like, I, think, I don't think that he actually had any ill will towards those people. He just didn't understand that you shouldn't say those things yeah. either. I think However, if he had
1: more exposure to black culture and black friends or something, yeah. it would have changed his mind a little and bit. I mean, he grew up I think, with all
0: women. Like, come on! You can't hate women.
1: Yeah, but even if you're living in the middle of New York City, you can be so isolated culturally Bensonhurst
0: maybe however despite all of that no motherfucker did not like gay people
1: no not at all at all like it
0: was very obvious yes
1: um nothing exemplifies that like the aftermath of Playgirl oh yeah a friend of a friend of a friend or whatever told Pete that only 23% of Playgirl readers are female, meaning the other 77% are male, which I, is, I think, maybe bullshit statistics. Maybe. You
0: wouldn't know why? Because I think, like, women don't feel confident buying magazines.
1: Maybe. But also... But this I is, also don't think, like, gay men would feel confident buying a Playgirl. I don't think a maybe whole lot of... Maybe they lie and say, like, I'm getting it for
0: my girlfriend. But I don't think a whole lot of...
1: I don't think a whole lot of gay men would be comfortable just waltzing into a gas station and buying a Playgirl and being okay with it in 1995.
0: You know what? I don't think anyone blamed buying Playgirl, so whatever.
1: Not anymore. Rip Playgirl. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. We have Pornhub. We don't need Playgirl anymore. Seriously, we don't need Playgirl anymore. But Pete believed these statistics, and after men started asking him to sign their copies of the magazine, he started regretting the publicity stunt. I mean, like, whatever! It gets you some record sales, man. But to quote Pete, not that I'm homophobic. But you are. But it was certainly irritating.
0: I'm not homophobic, but...
1: But... (laughs) Not to be homophobic, but... No offense, but but... I'm about to offend you. Yeah, But don't worry. That same year, to make himself feel better, he went on not only Jerry Springer show... Oh, that was so good. ...but also Ricky Lake. <gasps> oh, he was on Ricky Lake. Oh, Ricky! Ricky! Shut up. I used to watch Ricky a lot. Me,
0: yeah, my mom used to watch it. I would watch it through her.
1: Yeah. Both shows were about groupies and naturally their shameful slutty ways. And Pete went on to discuss his interactions with groupies and how much he hooks up with them.
0: But he also was really weird about it. He was like, I mean, like, I don't really like those girls, but but, if they're going to throw themselves at me. But you know, they
1: throw themselves at me, so, you know, I'm going to fuck them. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like he tried to slut shame them while also saying, I will fuck them. Yeah.
1: Like, it's not my... I'll fuck them. Yeah, it's not my fault they're fucking sluts. But if they're going to be fucking sluts, I'm going to fuck them. <laughs> like, that's exactly <laughs> what he said on both shows. I
0: will say, though, that one point he did mention that um, Jerry Springer was all like, oh, some women say they're going to say they raped or that you raped them. And oh, he's my God. Like, the I'm...
1: fucking... No, it was a fucking audience member. Oh, and he was an like, audience oh, member. This question's for Pete. Don't you, don't, uh, don't aren't you afraid that some women are gonna like, you know, claim that you're raping them so that they can, you know, get money from you? And he's like, I have bills to pay. This is how I pay my bills. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was and like, I'm like, you know what? Okay. I, hey, I commend that. Like, sure. good for you for like, just like going right
0: in there and being like, you know what? If they're just looking for a good time and I'm looking for a good time, I got bills to pay. They need a dick in them. All right. We got we got this thing down. This is a deal.
1: Yes. But he even admitted that the Jerry Springer show was just a really naive stunt. Like a publicity it stunt. It kind of felt like it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure the Ricky Lake one was too, because he he did both shows at like the same time. Yeah. And they were both about the same thing. Yeah. I guess I can't hold that against him. Yeah. Of all the things I can hold against Peter Steele, I guess I won't hold that against him. The first him. thing I'd
0: hold against yeah. him is my
1: body. My body. No, no we, can't we can't do, do that, that anymore. anymore. God damn it. God fucking damn it, R. Kelly. Eat Fuck a dick, you. R. Kelly. I hope you eat so many dicks. <laughs> After touring ended with, for October Rust, Peter had a really tough go of it. A series of deaths in his family, including his father and aunt's aunt and an uncle, left him pretty devastated, and increasing drug and alcohol abuse made everything worse. yeah.
0: Usually it does not make
1: things better. Usually. Usually. He channeled all his depression, anxiety, and devastation into his music, which resulted in World Coming Down, which was released in 1999. It had an obviously slower and more melancholy sound. It was harder, darker, and more disturbing than previous albums. The song White Slavery isn't about what you might think it is. It's actually a song lamenting his addiction to cocaine but of course he oh. had to throw in the controversial title. I was
0: going to say because that was a weird song too because when you see white slavery, yeah. but I also didn't understand it when I was listening to it. I'm
1: like, oh. "Well, another another name for cocaine is white devil." That's right. So it Aww. I think that's what he's kind of talking about, but you know, he just needs to like, you know, poke poke the bear a little bit. What would he even be like on cocaine? He's so subdued normally. I kind of don't ever want to see him on cocaine, because a six foot eight giant like cocaine. losing his mind on cocaine and like whiskey. I don't know if I want to. Well the whiskey's to bring him down from the cocaine. <laughs> this is the Fleetwood Mac. Like version of yeah. fucking Pete Steele. <laughs> All right. You do the he Coke just, to get yourself high, just, but then you drink the whiskey to calm some... the jitters. And then you do more Coke so what? you can feel better because the whiskey brought you down too far. And then you have to do, you have to drink more whiskey because the Coke brought you too far up. And just... So he, then he wraps himself
0: in shrouds and dances around in a circle
1: to gypsy. <laughs> yeah. That's See, how you make everything better is you dance to gypsy. Uh, The songs Everyone I Love is Dead and Everything Dies are obviously about him dealing with all the death around him and his fear of abandonment. However, it's a whole lot more serious this time around than when he had to deal with his cat dying. Yeah.
0: Like, here's the thing. Love animals. Love my dog. Love your dogs. Listeners, I I also love your dogs. When pets die... Fucking is the worst. But you know what? Like when people die, not only is it the worst, but it's very complicated and it leaves you with weird emotions.
1: It sucks to have to go through either one. Right.
0: But there's an amount of closure you can get with one that you can't get with the other. exactly. And to bring it back to Pete Steele. I mean, I don't know how his family members died, but first of all, you had three in a very close amount of time.
1: Right.
0: I don't know how close he was with them. And however they died...
1: And he also already had mental health issues right. and that were had com- addictions. That were compounded by addictions. So he already had this deeply ingrained fear of abandonment. Right. So I mean, if he wrote a whole fucking album almost about his cat dying, imagine what happened to him when three close family members die in succession. Yeah. That's that that is enough to just floor the strongest person, let alone somebody who is relatively emotionally fragile. Yeah. Who can't really even deal with a with a pet dying. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah, that's oh, that's and, really difficult. I mean, thank God he was a musician. Because yeah. maybe if he didn't have that, it it would have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, granted his drug addiction and his alcoholism was probably made worse.
0: Yeah. Spiked by I'm this sure.
1: But at least he had some kind of outlet. Yeah. And the album was successful, debuting on the Billboard charts at number 39. But it wasn't one the band was too keen on performing a lot. They did the inevitable tour for the album, but the songs proved too personal and gut-wrenching for Pete to keep revisiting them night after night. So these songs eventually stopped making it onto their concert set list. All right. I mean, talk yeah. about a personal album. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a lot. But fun fact about World Coming Down, there was a heavy use of backmasking throughout oh. the throughout the album. And if you have a good pair of headphones, you can hear some subliminal messages in the background. Ooh. So if you have this on vinyl, play it backwards. You'll probably hear some funny shit. Nice. By the time the album Life is Killing Me was released, Pete was back to writing songs with his trademark dark humor. Okay. That's the good,
0: good, good, good. (laughs) Things are back to normal.
1: Things are back to normal. Life is Killing Me was released in 2003 and had some real gems on it. Actually, the single I Don't Want to Be Me is a really good song. And... Yeah, no, it is. Actually, that's a, that is a banger. It's a jam. It's a really good single for an industrial goth band. Honestly,
0: that was the uh, the single I was listening to. I'm like, why don't they play this at fucking Goth Night?
1: Yeah, and um yo, we should DJ Goth Night. <laughs> like, it's just gonna be typo negative. Everybody the whole go night. Be, enjoy division. Everybody just fuck. But you know what? Basically, have a good time here.
0: We are safe in the DJ booth. Exactly.
1: Oh my god. And the song Todd's Ship Gods. Yeah. Which is an ode to his father is a really great song, too. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. That's really Cause nice. Because his dad, he was a World War Two veteran, yep. but he also worked at the shipyards. Okay. And I believe Todd's Ship, Todd shipyard or something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. um, is where his father worked. Okay. But of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Of course. The song I Like Goyles. Is supposed yeah. to be a tongue-in-cheek jam on the album. Okay, you're so close, guys. This punk-style song is two and a half minutes of Pete insulting gay men yep. that think he's attractive, yep. insisting he would never fuck them no matter how hard they try.
0: I feel like, though, I'm sorry, Pete Steele. May you rest in May peace. you rest
1: in dark, gothic peace.
0: But, like, doth protest too much. To have to put out a song to make sure gay people know you're not gay?
1: Like years after he did The Playgirl. Years. It, like 10 is, years. It wasn't 10, but it was almost years. It was close. almost 10 it was like years. Eight, eight he years. did The Playgirl thing in 95. Yep. And this came out in in 2003. Okay, so it was eight years. But either way, the point is like, way too long. Like, way too you're long. You're still thinking about Honey. Come on! You haven't I mean, gotten enough
0: puss yet to be like I'm
1: still straight. <laughs> and and the annoying thing is that I think by writing this song, he was trying to say I get it, you guys are attracted to me, but it's not going to happen. But the way he said it, not great, was exceptionally <gasps> insulting. And like
0: maybe it flew back then, it would just not fly now.
1: Even in 2003, I don't think it really flew that well it didn't just, you know what it was just it was because almost,
0: we were on the cusp of finally being like yeah. you know what you really can't do that and it
1: was like just the lyrics were just insulting enough yeah yeah to be like oh you you kind of overstepped it like come on bro i understand you're supposed to laugh at this song yeah it's supposed to be funny but it's about as funny as hearing a straight person use the word fag to call somebody stupid Oh, yeah,
0: that's oh, that's uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. It's not
1: funny, it's uncomfortable to me. All this song did was serve to brand Pete as a homophobe, and I get it that's not what he was trying to do, but, but again he kind of was again he he was one of those people who would always be like, "I'm not a homophobe, but I'm not a racist, but like, and then yeah. would say something insulting about a. A marginalized group. And like, you know what you should do is just say, I'm not
0: a racist. Period.
1: Period. That's it. Don't follow it up with
0: anything. because, like, And then you're fine. <laughs> you'll probably still get questioned but here's the thing. If
1: you just shut your fucking mouth, you're going to look a hell of a lot better than right. if you go but, But, Elixir. it's like, no, that it's just like saying no offense but, but I'm going to offend you. Yeah, like, yeah. That's all it was. It was. But oh. then, ironically, yes. track 12 is a cover of Angry Inch from the musical Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Which I'm going to give it to him. Great cover. It's amazing. Stellar cover. So
0: good. How are you going to do that good of a cover on Angry Inch and then also like,
1: like, I don't know no. who you, who are you? Right. It's who so are confusing. You? And it's like, okay, you did this really insulting homophobic song, and then you turn around and do a fucking killer rendition of Angry Inch. I don't know what to do with I don't do know how you. to feel about
0: you. I don't know what to do with you. Ugh. God damn it.
1: It makes no sense that they have I Like Goyles no. and Angry Inch on no. the same record. Nope. I guess this was their attempt to be like, hey, that other song you heard earlier, the one where I called you a shit-tongue queer, yeah, that's just me being funny. Uh, I don't think
0: it's funny. It, I'm uncomfortable. It's just
1: uncomfortable. Ugh. I also have to assume that sometime while writing this album, Pete was diagnosed with, I'm going to say this wrong, atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibr- Oh, you, I said it right. You can say Atrial
0: fibrillation. 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 Atrial fibrillation. Or... Fucking goddamn it,
1: Or AFib, which is a- what fib. I'm going You say. know what? A- AFib. AFib.
0: You know, the doctors right now are yeah. fucking ripping their hair out.
1: <laughs> I don't care. I'm not a doctor. Sorry. But AFib is basically a heart murmur. Yes. That Pete was diagnosed with. Yes. People live long lives with yep. AFib. Oh, yeah. But Pete... Also had a serious coke addiction. Oh, and yeah. May, and that made the problem worse. And to top it off, several men in his family all died of heart problems before the age of 50. Like, hold on. May I for a hot second? Okay. <laughs> Excuse me, may I Excuse for a hot me, second?
0: Excuse me, may I? Peter Steele.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Six foot eight. Yep. Big man. Yep. Coke addiction. Yep. History of heart problems.
1: Yep. How old is he? Oh, boy. Forty something? Two thousand in two thousand two, he would have been forty. Okay, so forty early forties,
0: early forties. I don't think the odds are great for him. You are gonna... doing
1: everything wrong.
0: Like, but even if you're, here's the thing, even doing everything right, still don't have great odds, right? But you're also doing everything wrong. Yes, making your odds how worse. Yes. Okay, just wanted to make. That mathematical equation in my brain.
1: Just to set the scene for you. Setting the scene for everyone here. This also really compounded his preoccupation with death. It's like he kind of knew it was going to happen. The diagnosis also inspired the song Life is Killing Me, which tears apart doctors, painting them as opportunists and dirty salesmen who are only in business to rip you off. Yeah. Your actual health be damned as we found out peter had a very sarcastic and cheeky sense of humor it was on full display in 2005 when he faked his own death what all he had to do was post a picture on the typo negative website of a headstone (gasps) with his name on it and the caption 1962 to 2005. Oh my God! And people went nuts believing he was dead. Yeah. Um,
0: and they should.
1: I <laughs> mean, it's pretty obvious. It's kind of blatant. Yeah. But it wasn't some morbid joke. It was just a celebration of the end of their contract with Roadrunner Records, oh. and signing on with SPV Records the same year. Okay. Pete actually blamed bandmate Josh Silver for the stunt. What? Originally, Josh showed Pete an image of four headstones with all the band members' names on them and said he was going to post that photo, but instead only posted Pete's headstone. That's so
0: fucked. Why would you do that? <laughs> I don't know.
1: Fans lost their shit, and even worse, people close to Pete became seriously worried about his mental state after this little joke happened, Uh, thinking maybe something was wrong or he was having a serious mental health issue. I would. So, kind of caused a lot of problems for Pete. Yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. Very... But after this death hoax, Pete kind of did disappear for a while. Okay. And no one knew where he went. Turns out he was at the psychiatric ward at Kings County Hospital. Oh. His family became extremely concerned about his escalating drug problem and staged multiple interventions, oh. insisting he get treatment for his drug abuse and mental health issues. Okay. He knew he had bipolar disorder, but didn't manage it correctly. Made it worse oh. with extensive coke use and alcohol abuse.
0: Hey, you know what's not great for bipolar disorder? Cocaine. Yeah. Or alcohol. And alcohol.
1: Yeah. Either one of those substance
0: things. abuse not great for bipolar.
1: <laughs> you
0: should. I should write jingles for
1: mental <laughs> health. For like pharmaceuticals for bipolar disorder,
0: <laughs> but they have to all be from like the early '90s. Yeah.
1: On top of that, he started having bouts of paranoia brought on by heavy drug use. (laughs) He said he put cameras in light switches and shower heads and shit like that. And even though he knew what he was doing was ridiculous, the drug psychosis was too strong to fight the urges. For Pete's sake. For Pete's sake. Literally. For For Pete's Pete's sake. sake. But finally, he acquiesced to checking into Kings County. Good. And once done there, he went straight to rehab. Good. He kicked his drug habit. Oh. But not the alcohol. I mean, like one when it, out
0: of two it, ain't bad. That is
1: that is a fifty percent success rate. Like and, I'll. And I that's alright. i it. I mean, I would rather he As kicked, someone who drinks a lot. I'm like, well, at he kicked the drugs. Right. I would rather he kicked the coke and still drink. But I, eh, I, mean, both whatever. would be great.
0: But at least he got but one. One
1: out of two ain't bad. It really like here's the thing. At this point,
0: yeah, let's take it. Yeah, take small, at- little victories. Yep. You can always work to better yourself.
1: So he kicked his drug habit, but not the alcohol. Yep. And things should have been on the up and up, but instead he was shipped off to Rikers Island. Wait, what? What happened? What happened? was several years previous to this. He said he, quote, accidentally punched someone in the face 50 times. Oh, my God. And was sentenced to several years of probation. I feel like, okay. It was a love triangle gone wrong.
0: Hold up. Now, while I don't think that you should ever punch anyone in the face more than once... 50 times is a little excessive. I also think Rikers Island is (laughs) a a little fucking excessive for punching someone in the face 50 times. Well,
1: he, he punched somebody. He got into a fight over, this was like a love triangle thing. Okay. He punched this guy in the face. He assaulted him and he was sentenced to several years of probation. He ended up violating that probation by not checking in with his probation officer and the judge threw him in the slammer. So it wasn't even that he went there for beating somebody up. It was because he violated probation for beating somebody up. But still, Rikers Island seems a bit excessive. It seems like a lot of judges send people to Rikers Island for things that are not a good reason to send somebody to Rikers Island for. It
0: may or may not seem that our justice system is a bit fucked.
1: For instance, the one kid who was sent to Rikers Island for, like, stealing a backpack or something. What is this, fucking lame him, as a rob? And they put him in Rikers Island four years with no trial, and he killed himself. I fucking hate everything right now. Yeah. But, I mean, he was only in Rikers Island for 30 days, but it seemed to be enough to scare him straight. Um,
0: Yeah! Like even looking at Rikers, I may be like, you know what? I'm not gonna commit no it's like, crimes. Yeah, no, I'm good. Oh, I'm you, a good citizen. You want me to be
1: out of myself for an hour? No, I'm good. I'm nope, good. That's good. I'm I can stay here reason. for thirty days. Not claustrophobic at all. It was also more than enough inspiration for a new album. In Damn. 2007, Typo Negative released their final album, ironically titled "Dead Again." Oh no. While the title track speaks directly to his drug use, Tripping a Blind Man talks about the betrayal he felt from his family forcing him to go to rehab. Also on this album was a tribute to his good friend Dimebag Daryl, who had recently oh, been murdered on stage by no. a crazed fan. He and Dimebag Daryl were really good friends. Oh, no. He was very close with Pantera and... uh yeah, this was like, That's this was so another sad. death in his oh. circle that just really That's really heartbreaking. Him. Yeah. I think it's also interesting to note that around this time, Pete converted to Roman Catholicism. After- that is a hard turn. Yeah, he, I don't
0: know which direction, but that is a hard turn. He
1: was a staunch atheist for a long time, like most of yeah. his life. He said that after going through a midlife crisis and going through all the rehab and mental hospital stuff. You know, honestly, and and lot jail, of,
0: a lot of rehab programs will shove God right down your Alcoholics Anonymous
1: shoves God straight in your gullet. But
0: also, like, find the power in yourself. You don't need to do it for some sky man. You could do it for yourself.
1: Sky man. That makes them sound so much cooler. <laughs>
0: <laughs> seriously, I mean, believe in know. yourself, guys.
1: I mean, I don't know if, if Pete believed in a sky man. <laughs> but it got him thinking about his own mortality and where exactly he would go after he dies. Right. He definitely has
0: some scares. He ha- He probably is well aware of his habits, his lifestyles, his family history. And I can understand where that would make you be a little scared.
1: Yeah. I think in his later years, he definitely became more aware of his own mortality. Right. And... Was kind of starting to face the fact that he's probably not going to be around for very much longer. When I was writing my notes, I couldn't help but draw conclusions between him and Emperor Constantine. Interesting. Which is kind of huh, okay. Weird, but this is, you know, this is when my art history major... My art history degree actually comes into play. Twenty-two year old Ashley comes up like, mm, "This excuses me." Yes, this is my forty thousand dollar student loan education coming into <laughs> into play here on this fucking hobby of a podcast that I partake in that we make no money from. But Constantine, on his deathbed, he was the last pagan uh, emperor, oh. Roman emperor. That existed on his deathbed, he converted to Roman Catholicism. Isn't
0: that where Foxhole Atheist comes from? I
1: don't know. Oh. Isn't is, is Foxhole Atheist like um when you're when you're in the army and you're about to die, like and you and then you convert, the like oh shit, there, like, there, might the minute, there might be a
0: god, there might be a god to pray. Yeah, that's
1: yeah, that's basically what Constantine did. Like he was on his deathbed, and he was like, oh, but maybe there's a god, so I I'm gonna you know shotgun this religious conversion tbh i think
0: that's actually worse like either be religious or don't be religious don't at the last minute pussy yeah. out
1: if your whole life if your, if all of your convictions are for this one thing it's a pussy move on your deathbed minutes from dying to be like, oh, but fuck, I want to convert to this because there might be a God or right. something like, like that. don't,
0: don't foxhole atheists. Yeah, it, no, Because I don't do think that. that they exist anyway,
1: but I mean, some do, but. I mean, granted, when he, com- when he decided he was going to be Roman, Ca- Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. he wasn't on his deathbed. No, he was he, not. He was not on his but deathbed. But I think he
0: also experienced a lot of things.
1: He also. Oh, it, which
0: I guess. All right. All right. You know what? He probably experienced a lot of things to make him question where he was going in his life. Yeah.
1: And he had also grown so up respect. Roman Catholic. So, and at this point, both his mom and dad had died. His mom oh, died in 2005. No. And she she was old. She was very senile. Um, Didn't really know what was going on. And I think he, he saw her demise and was like, I need to figure something out, right. because I can't... He said something like, I can't believe that like Hitler and Mother Teresa go to the same place when they die. Which we I, all need something. And, you know, I get it. I see where you're going with this. Yeah. Um. Not for me. No. But I see where you're going. You need something. Yeah. Typo Negative went on tour to support Dead Again, but none of them would know... That it would be their last tour as a band. Mm. Pete's last show was at uh, Harpo's Concert Hall in Detroit, appropriately on Halloween night in 2009. Oh. Only six months later, on April 14th, 2010, Peter Steele died of an aortic aneurysm when he was only 48 years old. Oh
0: my god, that's so young. Yeah,
1: and... An aortic aneurysm is basically when your aorta enlarges to one and a half times its normal size and mm-hmm. ruptures. Ugh. Although he was preparing material for a new album, the surviving members decided to, to dissolve the band altogether, Right. noting that, quote, when Peter died, the band died with him. Mm. Which is true. Yeah. Typo negative from start to finish was Peter Steele's vision. Yeah. It was him 100%. And even though all of the band members were like totally gung-ho and trusted everything that he did, it was still his vision. Of course. It was was his compositions. It was his um, lyrical content. It was his atmosphere that he created with the band. Yep. It was him. So I completely understand where... as. In, in stark contrast to Queen, who was like, okay, we'll get... um, What's his face from Bad Company? Fucking...
0: To, uh, oh, my God. Paul Rogers.
1: Paul Rogers. We'll get Paul Rogers to front it for a while. And now we got Adam Lambert and we're Bleh. still touring. We're still doing shit, even though Adam Lambert fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> hey, John Deacon knows better. John Deacon knows what the fuck's up.
0: Um, um, but yeah, no, it's... Yeah, Peter Steele was definitely... I think the main, he was the Like they looked to him like, oh, you're the leader of Typo yeah. And when your leader dies, sometimes you just gotta be like, you know what? That was a great run. Yeah. You, you, you can't replace Peter Steele.
1: Yeah. It's better to burn out than fade away. Although sometimes. also, too,
0: you can't replace Freddie Mercury. You have put me in a weird position. I am still constantly thinking about Queen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Typo Negative was a close, tight-knit band, despite mm-hmm. everything. And they knew once Peter had unfortunately left this world that that was it. Yeah. I mean, he a lot of it was his vision. Right. So you're right.
1: You're right. And I don't really think that anybody can replace him. No. Nobody, he's so unique. Nobody has the vocal ability. Nobody really has the vocal talent to do it. And I don't think anybody has the same kind of um, aura that yeah. he had. He had a very specific kind of aura he did. that gave his songs a very specific feel that I, not even Trent Reznor could have done in Closer. Yeah, you know what I mean? He, Trent Reznor came close in that song, but he was no Peter Steele. I still love Trent Reznor though. I still love Trent Hold on, Reznor. Like, don't come for Trent Reznor though. No, I'm not at all. No. But they're different. But it's I, I different. also feel
0: like they're two sides of the same coin. Yes. In that, like the industrial goth kind yes. of movement, um, you can listen to both and enjoy both, but you can also listen to one when you're in one mood and yes. one when you're in another mood.
1: Um, also, one's really good for fucking.
0: Some of Trent Reznor is good for fucking, and some of Trent Reznor is also good for like when you want to fucking kill yourself. So,
1: yeah, I don't know. I will say this I fully understand why people, why some people are like, this is bullshit, he's a racist, and how some other people are like, um, no, he just has a really ridiculous sense of humor. I yeah. see both sides of that coin. It's very difficult in this instance for me to separate the artist from the art. And it happens. And that is just going to have to be how it is. Because I cannot choose one side or the other. Either way, I'm the asshole. (laughs) You know? Either way. So I'm just going to be an asshole in the middle. And I'm going to appreciate their music. I'm going to appreciate what they've done for metal, for gothic music. And... Really criticize the bullshit that they put out there. I'm going to do both things.
0: And you can. And I
1: think that's <laughs> the best can. that I can do right now. You know what? And, and I don't want to offend anybody either yeah. way. No, no. So I'm just going to say I get his sense of humor. I fully 100% get it. But I also, as a woman living in 2019, <laughs> fully understand how a lot of this is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. So I get it, and I appreciate it. Yeah, but I'm also still going to look at it with some side eye. <laughs> and you know what? I think that's fair. I think that's that's just how you have to look at typo negative. You have yeah. to appreciate them for what they are, and the weird bullshit stuff that they put out. You just have to give some eye- side eye to. Yeah, and understand that. Yeah, it wasn't cool. Also, it was the time. But at the same time, at this point.
0: Whatever. What
1: else can you do? Yeah, what else can you do? What else can you do? I'm fine with being in that weird middle ground with them. Yeah. Also, I would still fuck Peter Steele. (laughs) But like, who wouldn't? (laughs) But who Who wouldn't? wouldn't? Yeah. Oh, yes. And that is the perfect note to end that on. Yes. And also, since he passed away, there have been many a tribute to him, including one from Lacuna Coil and one from Moonspell, two of my favorite gothic metal bands. Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. are... Lacuna Coil's very good. Moonspell is fantastic. Their last couple albums, maybe not so much, but their previous albums are fantastic. If you like gothic metal... Check out both bands. They were very good friends with uh, Peter Steele. Basically,
0: all you ever need to know is if you need to qu- ask a question about metal, ask Ashley, <laughs>
1: not Maggie. And if I don't know it, I will ask somebody and they will give me but a But if you want to
0: know about house,
1: hello. There you go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Jesus, that was an epic, pretty... That was a pretty uh, epic episode. That was
1: way more notes than I thought I had, but... That was
0: impressive. I'm not going to lie. I did not <laughs> expect that much of a story, but I was here for it. I'm yeah. also very drunk for it. I got drunk. I'm sorry. I mean... It's... Guys, you can't be guys, any other way. January is tough. Listen to Type Winter O-negative. sucks in the Northeast Winter, right now. If you live in the Northeast, you feel us real good, though. And that's what matters. Yeah. And also what matters is thank you for listening. Yeah.
1: We appreciate you. <laughs> and I appreciate the ability to tell Peter's story.
0: Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I actually <laughs> thought that was a great story. I really had a good time. It's I hope a very you guys fascinating guys man. Too. Anyway, if you guys enjoyed what you were listening to, why don't you hit us up? Uh, we got a website, www.rockcandy.com. You can leave us a comment, toss us an email, whatever. I mean, if you have suggestions or just... I don't want to shoot the shit with us and Uh, say like, hey, I like this or I didn't like this. You can even
1: argue with us. It's fine. I feel like expect people to argue with us on this.
0: Yeah, right? It's fine. I get it. No, totally. I mean, we're down for a healthy debate on things. Yes. And if you're not into the websites, you can also hit us up on the social medias. That is Rock Candy Pod on Twitter and Rock Candy Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And if you really like us and you really want to help us out, you can leave us a five star review on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or wherever you leave reviews. I don't know where that happens.
1: Five stars only. <laughs> We'll accept four. But we will five. accept a
0: four, but five mostly.
1: Anything less than that is not acceptable. But honestly,
0: reviews help us get noticed. If you think we're cool and you want us to get noticed by other people in the world, yeah. toss us reviews. Because
1: right now we are number seventy-one of in the Romania be- in of the best music podcasts
0: in Romania. Hey, you know what? Shout out to our friends in Romania. Seriously, fucking love you guys. You are the best. No, you know what? Romania is the best. someday we'll visit you. Invite us over. We'll go. We'll hang out. We will toe tag and drink <laughs> your beers. Don't think we won't. Because we will. Because we will. <laughs> oh man. Well, next week we got some more good shit coming your way. Some pretty fun, fun epic month actually theme month. Oh yeah, happening it's, it's next month. Friday or Friday
1: <laughs> February it is a fr- is, uh, Black History Month. Yep. So... so we will be hitting up some.
0: Fun black history artists. Indeed. So get ready for that, kids. And I guess, like, we'll tie it up with a nice pretty bow and with that, party on, Ashley. Party
1: on, Maggie. Party on, you crazy kids out there. Balls out, thank you. Balls out, thank you. (laughs)